there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to episode 43 of the podcast, the 1% Better Podcast. I did say in the last couple of weeks I'm probably going to wrap up season 1 at uh, episode 50 to 52, still a couple of new guests on the horizon, so I'm hopefully uh, going to get them in and take a little break from the 1% Better podcast uh, once I get those done, and that should probably be done by the end of the year. This week I recorded a new episode with a lady, Roberta O'Brien, from the Irish Navy, and that was really interesting. She has had a number of firsts in her career, and that's one that'll be coming out in a few weeks' time. Just looking back, the podcast I did last week, the solo show, went down better than expected, uh, in that nobody's come back and said anything negative, which I don't believe there's nothing negative to say, but maybe people are too kind or just don't take the time or too lazy to uh, to write me, but uh, feel free to do so. I really enjoyed doing that, and hopefully we'll do some more over the next few weeks uh, in that they're easy, not easy to do, but fun to do. I don't have uh, to line up too much other than just myself talking. And I have a few ideas for new things to, to talk about. And I got a few, one or two suggestions as well. So I am planning to do a few more random solo runs and probably will release them also on random days. So that should come, they may not be produced as well or as uh, effortfully as this uh, typical 1% better one is but I'm going to do them so maybe if you have any ideas shoot me in and I would actually like to come up with a name for that podcast rather than just my solo show so if you have an idea for a name uh, submit it email me put it on twitter one of the socials and I'll pick a name in a couple of weeks and the best name gets a prize so there you go Everybody likes to get a prize. Before we get on to the prize of this week's episode, uh, just one other thing. I know I talk about looking for ratings and reviews on iTunes, and you probably never do it. Uh, so far, five, I think maybe ten people have given me stars over the, the last number of months. Always five stars, which I don't believe for a second. So I'd love if uh, if you went in and gave me a star rating, one to five, and leave a comment and it's it's more of an experiment this to see i'm trying to figure out the psychology around how how people do it or don't do it it isn't something that is typically done as you'll hear obviously from me only getting 10 stars but it's very interesting how the whole thing works and not only with the rating and reviews does that help with the ranking supposedly I think where the real juice is, is if you actually click subscribe. Now, I know if you subscribe, you'll get some of the maybe previous episodes, but you'll also get a notification when the new episodes come down. You can set those to download or not download, but I'm more kind of interested just to see what impact that would have on the ranking if um, if a bunch of people did subscribe. Feel free to unsubscribe afterwards. The whole psychology around how how that is done is uh, is interesting. I put a link on the on the website now to see if that has had an impact. But so far, just still trickling in. So maybe just by asking nicely, that might work. One last point. I have set up a Facebook group, which you can actually join. And the benefit of this over a page is that you can leave comments. You can share, post things on it. It's a bit of a community. It'd be cool if, the, if over time that kind of grows and builds up the numbers and uh, could be of benefit because we can share stuff that you're doing, maybe that you've got 1% better at or more, 
and uh, hopefully that'll evolve over time. Okay, so this week's episode is with Neve McCarthy. We talk about skydiving, we talk about winning medals at the Paralympic World Championships at the Rio Games and uh, Europeans as well. Very interesting story, met Neve uh, through a work event and we agreed to have a conversation together around her career. If you checked out the Friday Five, you'll get a little snippet of um, some of the stuff we talk about. We go into a lot of detail on her journey, uh, how she got involved in discus throwing. She has a great personality. She has a, a good laugh on the show. Details in her competing and some of the sacrifices and challenges she certainly faced over the last few years as she's rose to prominence in the, the discus throwing world. And we look forward to the future, how she sets goals, some of the things she'd like to achieve in the coming weeks, months, years. So yeah, have a listen to the full episode with Neve, And don't forget to uh, submit some ideas for the Solo Show podcast, not only for a name for it, but also maybe some topics you might want me to, to talk on or questions you might have. Uh, I'll answer them and I will start shooting those out uh, on an ad hoc basis over the next while. All right, I'll let you get on to the main episode. Thanks so much, guys. I will uh, talk to you soon. Have a great week. Bye. Hello folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast and I am here today or this evening with Neve McCarthy from Cargilline who is a discus thrower from Cork, a celebrity discus thrower I would say at this stage. You have, Neve, just to read in your intro or a bit about your bio, you have done bronze, silver, silver so far in championships, all, all many world championships aren't it? Uh, yeah, across uh, World Championships and then the Paralympic Games. It's been, yeah, bronze, silver, silver. So obviously, <laughs> what, what, what what does that mean next? <laughs> Probably silver again. Oh, God. Okay, three in a row. I was, I was teeing you up for a goal there, potentially, like so. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I suppose it's the end game, but uh, I think it's going to take a bit of work before I get there, but uh, no, making my way up the ladder slowly. Good, good stuff. So before we started talking about discus throwing and how, how we got in there welcome welcome first of all obviously uh you have a passion for another kind of area another type of um thrill seeking activity skydiving yes <laughs> talk to me a bit about where that came from yeah um so back when i was 17 i started in ecc and when i started i wanted to really get involved in all the clubs and societies and everything and i thought i'd kind of t- pick two of the kind of slightly weirder ones let's say and uh trampolining was the first one and then i saw that they had a skydiving club as well and it's something i'd always wanted to do so basically i signed myself up and my my dad paid for that for my 18th birthday present nice. so that was the uh, the first jump I, yeah i hadn't i wasn't actually 18 yet but um i got engulfed in the sport and you know many years later i still am so that was the my first big passion in life sport wise hmm. and just what is it about the uh the the adrenaline rush that that gave you with the first time was it like geez i have to do that again straight away or was there even fear before you were doing it um no there wasn't fear i suppose like the first jump you you don't know what's gonna happen so you're just kind of waiting to see and then i landed and you know it was completely exhilarating like i was you know flying high as a kite on adrenaline and you know they were like oh do you want to go up again today and i was like 
just go on so you know that'll, that'll be nice now right. and the second one like the absolute fear of God into me like I was nearly night. crying in the plane because I knew what was coming I, I knew what to expect and I was right. just like you're an idiot get out of the plane get out of the plane now say no uh. but uh, I did it anyway and I didn't jump for months after just because of the weather but I just mm. got completely sucked into the sport and I've got about 90 solo jumps. 90? 90 solo jumps wow. this day, which isn't a lot seeing as I've been involved for kind of over six years. But um, yeah, it just, it became my thing it, and the people there and everything. It was just an amazing experience. I think it, it kind of, I grew a lot as a person because mm. doing that type of thing, you know, you have to really let go of yourself and go outside your comfort zone and... I mean, I was young, you know, I was 17. I didn't know anything about the world and I wasn't thrown at that point either. And it just, I built my life around it, really. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm still really good friends with everybody up there. It's up in uh, Clonbelly, or sorry, uh, it's up in Clonbelog in Offaly. Yeah. And I still go up every every weekend or so, even when I'm not jumping, just to, to see everybody because mm. all walks of life you get up there, you know, every age, every background. And it's just... It's a, a family, really, for me. Mm. And, yeah, it was, it was a big part of my life, really. What do you think makes it that family-type environment? Is it is it that fact that it's just that connection through the jumping? Or is, why does like-minded people go for that, I wonder? Yeah, because like, you, you do get every type up there. But I think it's just that, you know, they all you're doing the same thing. And it's not something that you can kind of half-ass. Like, if you're a skydiver you are a skydiver there's there's no it's all or nothing really so I think everybody just bonds really well about that up there and like you'd stay over for the night so you know you'd stay around and have a few titties or whatever and uh, you know you you get to know people very there's, well there's no kind of uh, rules of after three drinks you can't do a skydive no you can't smell it on you in the morning okay. then you're good to go drunk diving sure ah no the they nah they're, they're you know they're safe in that way but uh, you know if you know the weather's going to be pretty tight the next day then you kind of you'd go a bit harder in the pub that night but um no you, you just yeah. it's it's such a family event like it's it's mental because like when I go up there like my my life at home is just forgotten hmm. it's a complete escape from normal life right. and you're just a skydiver up there nobody cares how much money's in your bank account what you drive or anything hmm. you're just a skydiver to them and I think that just brings everybody really close hmm it's like a, a little bit of an addiction almost isn't it <laughs> a good addiction yeah I mean it is completely because it's well you know you get a rush like and yeah, I mean yeah, that course. does die down to some extent when you get into it because mm. you know you just you get desensitised to it I suppose but it's still like the longer you're jumping the more it becomes about the social aspect of it as well right. okay. so like you know I might not jump myself for a few months a year if I have competitions and stuff but I'll mm. still go up to see everybody and you know I'm still part of it all but it just I don't know it's you can't really some people love it and some people you know do one jump and they're like yeah no that's that's enough for me now I'll go home and mm. that's the end of it so it's it's not something I plan to, to get involved in ever but it's been one of the best things in my life okay I'm just trying to I've done one actually once um, when did I do it I did it in New Zealand 10 or 12 years ago tandem obviously yeah. uh, it was good I did actually a bungee a few days later and I actually preferred the bungee only because I think I had to jump the bungee and the, sk- the skydive when I was doing it um, was uh, was the tandem thing which was weird but 
Yeah. I would definitely do it more. And I remember people like I'm originally from Longford, so awfully not far from there. So I know yeah. a lot of people that would would have gone over there, um, lots of the time. So would would you say that? You said it, it changed you in lots of ways. Has it has it like given you more confidence? And, and what what were the benefits? I guess it's definitely given me a lot more confidence. I think because yeah, like when I started, I was in my first year of college. I was seventeen. Um, I suppose like the other big thing about me is when I was a child, I lived in France. Um, in France. Yeah, okay. so I moved back in uh, just before I turned sixteen. So like. Yeah, I wasn't in wow. Ireland even two years when I started jumping. So, you know, I didn't have a kind of big base group of friends because I just hadn't been in the country. So, you know, it was there was just a lot of growing up kind of done in a very mm-hmm. short few years. But like, you know, you get every age up there. So, you know, I, you know, some of my best friends are like in their 40s or their 50s or they're married or their kids or they're divorced. So like, <laughs> you know, I kind of got exposed to just a lot of different kind of life experiences that, you know, I heard the stories and everything. Mm. So it definitely shaped me and yeah like I mean I I wouldn't say I was shy before but I was always maybe a bit quiet but mm. at the, the drop zone we call it you you can't be quiet because if you're quiet it's <laughs> it just won't work because you have to have that kind of oh I'd have balls about you I suppose is the mm. word really yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. yeah no it definitely it, it brought me out of my shell a lot and okay. I I can't think what I'd be like without it mm, good and the last one on skydiving because I don't want to just like, it'll turn into the skydiving podcast which you listen to already so I don't want to go into their their world but when you jump and you get familiar with as you said desensitized to it when you're then I guess present as you're going down and the free fall and whatever number of seconds is that like that you're almost is that kind of a sense of being completely in the moment and I'm kind of touching on meditation and stuff like that but there's is that a feeling that you can't just explain or can't replicate any other time like the only thing I can compare it to is actually throwing in that like I mean one of my throws lasts between the time I walk into the cage and the time I walk out it's it's less than a minute which is the same as a jump the free fall is less than a minute usually Mm. depending on what height you're going from but it doesn't matter what's going on outside the circle or say on the ground when you're skydiving you are it, you are just in the moment you, you can't focus on anything else because you're not going to do well if you do and mm. you know it's I think it's just a big escape from everything so oh. like I do actually compare the two in that sense yeah I mean, yeah they're completely different but um yeah. they are both about being just completely in the moment and not thinking about the stupid trivial things and mm. just kind of being confident in your skills and just doing it I suppose so mm. they are they are very similar in that way cool very very interesting you mentioned uh france you grew up in france Are yeah you, like, so you're not originally from france though I don't no think no no so <laughs> le, le mccarty <laughs> yeah no i was born in ireland and i lived in ireland until i was eight years old okay. and then i moved to england for a year because my mother is from bristol okay um so i was there kind of when i was about nine years old and then i moved over to france with my family and um yeah i was there for about kind of six and a half years like my parents got split up over there divorced and all that but okay I kind of saw that coming to be fair but right. um, yeah I, I was there for six and a half years and I moved back just before I turned 16 back right. to Ireland just because I think at the time I wanted to be a dentist or something and my French would be very good but it's not at a level where I can excel completely compared to you know people who speak Natives, the language yeah. as their first language so mm-hmm. um, I kind of it, it was a very quick decision it was very hard but it was very quick and it was the right one to just come home 
and do my leaving cert in Ireland basically okay. and I should have come back into fourth year but they didn't have any room for me so they just put me into fifth year but I'd already missed kind right. of four months of the curriculum so it was a kind of Okay. Yeah, it was a busy couple of years when I first moved back, just getting the leaving cert done, you know, getting used to writing English essays because I'd never mm. done it. So it was, mm. yeah, it was a big change for me. But um, again, it's something that's kind of shaped me as a person because I've, I've had to learn to adapt, really, you sure. know, because yeah. I'd just be thrown into the situation. It's kind of like good luck to you. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. And I, I mean, I have a second language now, which is, you know, Absolutely. a great yeah. asset. So, mm. yeah, it was great. So you were you were living there for so long, like you became to the point where you would actually think think in French rather than think in English. Would that would that have been? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And like I had a couple of like French dreams one time, which was that was super weird. I wasn't sure about that now, but um, right. yeah, like the the kind of English and French kind of merged because like I said like I could have like an English friend on the left of me and a French on the right, mm. and I'd be getting my languages confused if I turned left to right, and it was. Yeah, it was. It became natural to me. Well, not immediately. Now it took me a few months to, to yeah, get yeah, the ropes of it. But um, yeah, it was. It was weird. But it was, you know, something that I think is. If I ever have children, I'm gonna ship them off somewhere as well and get yeah. the language in and then bring them home again. I'd say. Yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's great to get that like overseas experience and yeah, yeah. especially at such a young age, a lot of people might just get it in their Erasmus year or yeah. whatever, and um, it's probably just. The sooner the better, maybe. Um, so when you were growing up there, and was there was there influences? Was there, was a sport even in your life at that stage? No, I was never the sporty person. I mean, I think yeah. When I was still in Ireland as a kid, I did gymnastics for a year or two, mm. and when I was in France, I did like a year of tennis and a year of this and a year of that. But I didn't stick to anything. It wasn't part of my life at all, and I didn't want it to be either. It wasn't mm. something that I was kind of overly invested in at all. But. Um, mm. Yeah, well, that's changed now. That's <laughs> yeah. And was there? Do you think there was any any reason why you didn't find an outlet in sport, or or what were your you know outlets in, or what were you throwing yourself in the passion about even in the young early years? Um, I I used to play piano, which was actually okay. something I really enjoyed because um I'm an only child, so uh, kind of playtime at my house was up to myself. You know, I had to kind of keep myself busy, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, in my house in Ireland, we had this this old piano from like this jazz bar that they, they were just dumping, and my parents just cool. nicked it from the back of the place. Nice. Yeah, it was some amazing people have played it. I can't tell you the names now, but uh, mm. lovely old piano. So I, I kind of taught myself when I was young right. um, just to play piano and kind of I, I kept with it for a few years, especially in England and a few in France as well. But I think because my life was not unstable, but there was a bit of moving around, mm. it was hard to kind of commit to the one thing because. I, you know I didn't know if I was still going to be in the country the next year so yeah, it was kind of yeah. you know it wasn't something that was easily done on my side and mm. you know it was ah sure you know these things happen like but mm. um, I mean yeah I found it now but um, I think it was good for me as well to kind of experience a few different things mm. as a young child and with the piano as well is there any parallels in when you're were playing it to being in in the you know ready to jump and being ready to to throw is there any that kind of laser focus on one thing um i mean i haven't played in many years i kind of mm. got forgotten about though i did buy a keyboard last year because okay. uh, i was going to try and get back into it but it's still kind of sitting behind my sofa in yeah. the back of my mind but uh it would be you know like because again you're not thinking about what's going on around you you're just mm. in the moment doing your thing yeah, no, that's it's again interesting. There's a question that I normally ask us at the start. It's one I've started to <clears throat> to ask of late. Um, what's your earliest memory? What comes to mind when you hmm. 
get that question <laughs> um, you can have a second to think about it as well sorry for throwing it on you but yeah. it, it's, it's interesting that the answers I get so far from people uh, what comes to mind I'd say casting my eyes back one of the oldest memories I have that I can think of in the moment right now anyway is me sitting in my back garden in my house in uh, in Ballet in Caroline and uh, I had this thing for painting rocks because then only child got to entertain myself and uh, yeah I'd like paint rocks and I'd be all crafty and I'd be sticking like beads and sticking Mm. bits of string and like all this and like yeah I used to entertain myself for hours and I still have a little rock on the in my house at home mm. <laughs> yeah so that's yeah I don't know like I did that from a very young age but oh, uh, cool. just crafting away on my little table on painting me rocks <laughs> would there be a creative streak in you? no and that's no? the weird thing like I'm left handed and they say that that's the really yeah the creative be, type like, but yeah. like I mean I've drawn stick men and you know got it wrong like so I'm, I'm very put too much detail on the stick men <laughs> body wasn't connected to the bottom half I'm like so no I'm not creative at all but I think I think I just was as a kid just as a, a way to mm. entertain myself so yeah maybe you should go back trying to do a bit more rock, rock <laughs> painting and see what, what comes up because there's probably something connected deep under underneath there as I said I asked a few people and one or two said something about running or exercise that they now do a lot yeah, of yeah. In, in their career so and then, <laughs> then some people talked about completely things that are not related to anything to do yeah. so I haven't kind of got a, a complete connection with all of it yet but it's still still a fun question to ask anyway um, so you just maybe talking about you went to college <clears throat> and you said th- th- throwing the disc wasn't in your world at all so maybe just talk a little bit about where that all came from yeah, it's a funny story that I've told yeah. a few times, but um, yeah, so I started college in 2011, and like I said, got involved in skydiving, so that was my, kind of what I did for two years, because I didn't do college, because that didn't go so well, um, right. but <laughs> yeah, I've done two years of college, but they were both first year, let's say, so okay, yeah, um, but basically, it was around, it was after the London Games, now, I kind of never watched the Olympics as a kid, and it was one year actually, 2008, I moved, I, I was back in Ireland for a month just visiting my dad uh, from France and okay. watched the Olympics with my with my neighbour, Jesse McCarthy, who i kind of grown up with. Okay. So like that one year, I was really into the Olympics, but I still, I mean, I was young enough, but I, w- I didn't even know about the Paralympics then. Mm-hmm. And 2012 happened without me even noticing it as well. Right. Um, but basically, once I was kind of back in college uh, in 2012, um, I was kind of driving it all myself and I was kind of holding down a little part-time job just to keep myself busy just because the course wasn't you know full-time and very stupid little task but I was just my mom asked me to drop off a letter to this this guy in town mm. uh, Frank Hannon's sister is in Shannon Street yeah. give him a <laughs> call out there the man who shaped my life but he basically uh, I gave him the letter anyway and like he's like oh uh, what, what condition have you got mm. and I am um, highly offended okay. like I'm in my head I'm just like what a dickhead like how mm. could he say that yeah. and I think I just ignored him on the day and like didn't say anything and I just left like and I yeah. got back to the office and I was like mother you should have heard him mm. and I was foaming at the mouth like right. <laughs> couldn't believe it but uh, she's like oh he's he's got a son with achondroplasia so okay. achondroplasia is kind of the most typical form of dwarfism okay. now I don't know what I have it's right. I haven't been diagnosed but okay. it's 
because see I'm, I'd be proportional in my stature right and kind of most forms of dwarfism aren't so I don't know what I have <laughs> mm. but uh, yeah so Frank has a son and I was like you know fair enough we'll, we'll get over that but basically <laughs> he could have probably been more subtle I suppose I guess I'm not trying to defend him I don't know like, how else I suppose oh, he yeah. was probably in a, he was just being curious because yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know I was kind of he obviously saw similarities with me and his son but yeah. um yeah, no, he was he was good friends with my mom anyway, and he was kind of telling her like, oh, you know, would, would you be interested in disability sports and like the Paralympics? And she was like, God, no, like, because mm. I suppose, yeah. So I mean, yeah, people can't see me, but I'm a fairly short stature. Mm. I'm uh, the yeah the high tops of a uh, four uh, <laughs> four foot about four and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so not not a lot, but I, I I'm in denial anyway, but. Okay. Um, I didn't ever consider myself disabled, you know, like mm. the only thing I couldn't do was reach the top shelf and certain certain that, rides like, in Disneyland so. rough limits to me. That was kind of it. <laughs> but um, you know, he all of a sudden it's like disability sport and I was just like, oh, like I don't belong to that. That's nothing right. to do with me. Okay. But um your aunt Frank anyway, he thought I had something and he's like, Oh, there's this talent search event. Uh, up in Dublin do you want to go and I was like no no mm. I don't want to go because mm. <laughs> I, I was only 18 at the time and um, we got roped in somehow anyway because yeah it was sponsored by Cadbury's the event so like <laughs> she might be might be a goodie bag in there for yeah. me uh, and yeah literally like the on the day we went up with this kind of group who the Rebel Wheelers are called and they just it's just basically kind of children and adults of disability in okay. Cork and just a bit of drain and it's mm. a small group but they do great things and right. um yeah we went up on the bus with them and went to this event and there's you know big hall it was in UCD and I'm trying these different sports and all that and then like I remember the little corner and I remember the guy Michal he's still involved uh, he's he helps out with the team on trips and he kind of handed me this disc and he was like yeah just, just throw that over there and I was like grand no right. wallop the dog and that was that and was like, it were you tr- did you did he give you a a guide on how yeah, to throw it roughly like, like you do your spins and you can I don't oh know, there was no, no spin spinning, on the no. day yeah it was kind <laughs> like of back, back to basics that you just stand in one spot and throw it in one angle okay um and like that was literally it and then i met like just after that i remember meeting michael mckillop who's okay. gold medalist i don't know how many years right. and i didn't know who he was mm-hmm. <laughs> meant nothing to me there was a shiny medal and i'm like yeah yeah good for you whatever yeah, yeah. um and that was literally it you know we went home and didn't really think anything of it but a few weeks later I got an email and they were saying oh we'd like to to test you and classify you and just, I didn't know what that meant at all and the throw you did did he measure you obviously measured that no part. I was hitting all the right. wall just hitting the wall they literally right. just, just were kind of getting and, the feel for okay. your kind of okay. athleticism and you know right, right, and right. strength so it was very you know there was no serious testing involved yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. You, you, you know or you don't right. but um yeah, no, they, they asked to, to test and classify me. So me and the mother had to drive up to Dublin. And uh, in the morning, they were kind of getting me to like throw this medicine ball and do like, these standing long jumps and a few kind of short sprints. And, um, you know, it was we didn't really know what was going on. Like They mm. were like, oh, you know, come and have your warm-up ready. And I'm like, what's a warm-up? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I did KFC. You the, the heater on in the car. And yeah, no, I did KFC thing. for lunch. Then okay. we had a nap because I it's a long drive to Dublin you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. and then like I just ran around the car park and that was my warm up like so it was you know I knew nothing I was absolutely nothing I knew none of the names they were talking about right. it was it was stupid but again I just went home and, and didn't think anything of it and yeah a few weeks later I just got an email and they're like oh yeah you're on the, the fast track squad now oh. Um, I need we need an email off you every week saying what you've done what training sessions right. all of this and I'm like 
Jesus, like, you know, mm. what have I got myself into? And it was just, it all happened kind of very quickly. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, within only a few weeks, it, all of a sudden I was on this squad that the sport, I was, I didn't know what discus was like. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. in my mind, I was like, I could get a medal. Right. It's like, sure, it was you know, kind of three, four years away. Why, why couldn't I get a medal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just grand. Well, you were, like, the one thing there that just struck me though, are you competitive obviously highly were you always competitive though <laughs> yeah definitely okay. definitely like I mean even when I was kind of in primary school in Ireland I was on the sprint team okay. I was a foot short and everybody else but like mm. I was so determined I was as quick as the rest like right, right, okay, good. <laughs> you know but uh, oh highly competitive yeah no but then happening. like then it makes total sense why you yeah. see oh god I can do that like I'd be competitive as well but I'm just I just suppose I'm a little surprised that you weren't that competitive streak hadn't even come out before but just, yeah you know. no it was I was always competitive but I suppose with with this sport this new sport discus I mean I knew nothing of it but mm. in the back of my head I was like sure of course I can do that yeah because yeah. I think you know yeah like growing up as a kid being this being a short ass like you know I mm. was throwing a few challenges and you know I just prove everybody wrong sure. like so yeah, it was kind of it was my life goal to just prove everybody wrong that yeah. I could do it so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the same with this I was like yeah I can pick up this sport and do really well and yeah. you know that it was just another obstacle to get naive. over like, I mean I yeah. can't believe like God if anybody knew the way I was thinking you know how confident I was that I would succeed they would tell me get it you know <laughs> cop yeah, on like I wouldn't, but, wouldn't listen to people not being you know <laughs> giving you negative stuff like that so I know yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I, I started training, it was kind of December 2012, so right. I kind of tell people I started in 2013, so yeah, it was, you know, very basic stuff, like I had to, you know, find out where the local gym was and all this, and right. I was given a program. And did they connect you with anyone in the discus world in Cork that had, you know, yeah. a, a career? <laughs> okay, I'll let you get there, sorry. So, the, yeah, the group I went up with, the Rebel Wheelers, um, one of the coaches in there, John McCarthy, who I'm still with to this day, okay. he started doing kind of sessions with me. Now, there were group sessions with smaller athletes, so it's really, it was, you know, completely level one stuff, you know, right. really just learning what discus even was, as opposed to even just throwing it, you know, so it was very slow at start, but, you know, it was a massive deal for me, because all of a sudden I was kind of training, like, kind of maybe probably about three four times a week so it was a big mm. change to my life and you know I mean I was giving it a full go I was you yeah. know I thought again because I was told you know we'll, we'll assess you at I think it was the end of January so I had these few weeks to kind of prove myself worthy okay. Okay. Um, you know so I was I was gonna prove myself there was yeah, no way yeah. about it right, right, right. but uh, yeah I mean it was very different to what I was used to and with college and everything it was it was mm. hard like because a lot of my hours were taken up by training and yeah you know, cost money as well, getting my membership sorted and all this. So all of a sudden I was doing a college degree, I was working a part-time job oh. and I was training as well. So Where did this, no social life fitting in there at all? Yeah, no, <laughs> like I mean, I, I turned 19 in, in the January and I did not have the life of a 19-year-old at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so I kind of I kind of missed those few years of my life. But okay. um, I ended up actually giving up college because right. one, I wasn't very good at it. Not that I'm not academic I mean I you know did very well in my leaving cert and all that but like I just wasn't interested in the course Mm -hmm. I think and I kind of was starting to realize how serious the sport was and Mm. I knew that I couldn't just I had to commit myself fully Mm -hmm. to it so I basically at the yeah I I finished first year I I finally passed it in my repeats (laughs) of the repeat year and um 
I was away on a skydiving trip actually in Spain. It was kind of the end of end of 2013, so I'd just done the one season and I, I just decided to just stop. Right. I just, you know, so I've deferred and I still technically haven't dropped out. Yeah, I could yeah, go yeah. back if you I wanted to, anytime. but uh, unlikely at this stage. But that's interesting, I think, though, what comes out is that it's, it, you felt that you were juggling so many balls in the air, it was you wanted to give it a proper go yeah. and maybe that the pull of not being able to give all that time and attention to it was making you probably unhappy or pissed off in some ways was it yeah it was it was hard because you know tell me to do something and I'll tell you no like mm. <laughs> you know it's it's say like when I moved to France you know I, I had to learn French there was right. no choice about it mm. and being forced into learning French has made me resent that okay because you know I was a young kid and I'm like you're putting me in this horrible situation I don't want to do this so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like anytime I'm told to do something I don't usually take to it very well okay. I might do it but that doesn't mean I like it I'm glad I didn't tell you to come on to the podcast <laughs> so yeah I asked nicely like, so you yeah. offered I suggested it yeah yeah so. no so it was it was kind of hard to kind of be forced into the sport in some ways because I wanted to prove myself but at the yeah. same time it was taking so much out of me to do right. so but I mean I did start to enjoy it because I just I just wanted to prove people I think and, you okay. know I was just thinking like Paralympic Games is going to be an amazing thing I know nothing about it but I'm sure it'd be great crack so I was like sure brilliant yeah. drive on yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was it when was the the first big tournament then in 2014 was it um so yeah so 2013 was my first competition year and those were all very you know just kind of getting to grips with competition even as well yeah. as discus and then in 2014 um I actually got injured it was the first time I battled with injury it was really hard because I was trying to make the kind of next level up squad and I had to hit this distance twice right. and I'd done it once and then I injured my shoulder for three months Jesus. and I had to hit it again and I had one competition left and it was at Ivan Cork actually and I st- my shoulder still wasn't right so I just I mean I, I don't know how I did it I probably did more damage than good but I managed to get this extra distance mm. and I got on to the, to the panel but uh, I was selected for the European Championships which were in Swansea at the time mm. and I mean, I'd been selected over people who had been to London, so I was like, "Oh my god!" Well, like, you know, I'm in so in Ireland was like, was there a competition for places in the discus? In so it's it's that? not yeah. It's basically how it works is for all of the competitions they have. Say for example, they can bring ten people, okay. but that's across all sports and all classifications. So you're not against people in your sport at all. Okay. There's nobody on the team who does exactly the same sport in the same class okay those are the discus throwers but they would be in a different in a class different class because your F41 there you is, go, is yeah. your code yeah. or whatever exactly so yeah. there's other because uh, yeah there's other codes but for discus as well exactly yeah. there's okay. there's 26 different classifications as far as I'm aware across the sport um, between kind of track and field okay um, but yes yeah, so you're competing about, against everybody in the country who's trying to get to these competitions right um, and yeah like I, I got selected and I was very excited and all Brilliant. but um, it's uh, kind of two two or one weeks beforehand I was basically told that the event had been pulled because there just wasn't enough registered in my class for the competition to go ahead they needed three and there was only two Okay. so I was just told like nah not gonna happen mm. now I, I actually took it very well and my coach still remembers it because um, I was just like yeah no it's grand but I even then I didn't realise how serious the competition was mm. all I knew is that I just wasn't going and I was just like oh, really yeah, want, yeah. I really wanted the kit yeah, so I really yeah, got yeah. the kit and I was or like I was raging that I wasn't going to get the kit yeah. and I was like sure look it's, it's Swansea like you know it's not yeah, like yeah. it's some That's fabulous exotic yeah, place yeah, across yeah. the world I was like I can get over missing that right. 
And uh, the good thing was, a few weeks later, I got the kit in the post because they'd already ordered it. So <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah, no, it was. I, I got over that fairly quickly. But um, yeah, then it was uh, all of a sudden I was kind of launched into the 2015 season. Mm. And again, I was still just so naive because there was World Championships that year. But right. I didn't know. I didn't know there was World Championships. I was just kind of going about my day, yeah. competing and all, training away. And all of a sudden, like, kind of, they, they were on in end of October uh, in Qatar. Oh. And I think it was maybe around July, I was kind of made aware that this competition was even on. And I was like, okay. all right. They're like, yeah, yeah, no, like, you're you're selected. And I was like, oh, right. well, that's nice. You're not looking too far ahead with <laughs> things. Uh, you like to be in the moment. I, I think, yeah. yeah, but like, I was just, it was just because I was so naive. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't aiming towards anything. I was literally just trying to succeed and sure. better myself but yeah. with no end goal in sight necessarily other than Rio but like and you were kind of probably, were you giving yourself further targets throw wise building up on that week yeah. by month by month and yeah month no month. like yeah. I mean I think for the first few years like each what I finished with each, each year changed by kind of plus three metres or so so wow. you, like yeah, well it was because I was new you yeah, know yeah, was, of there's going to be a fairly steep kind of climb at first so mm. You know, I from from outside looking in, it looked like I was doing great. You know, I was just driving up and yeah. you know just getting further and further each year. Like I think, I think in two thousand fifteen, I was still kind of ranked like maybe sixth or fifth in the world, okay. which isn't too bad. Right. Anyway, but see, it's a it was basically a new classification because it was included in London, but it was under a different class. So it was kind of the rankings were kind of fresh let's say because they changed the way it worked they'd split two classes off okay so there wasn't actually a lot of people on the rankings so that's i think probably to be honest why i got selected for the 2014 euros because okay. there just wasn't many people to compete against but right. um 2015 then was a different story because I, I went on the rankings for like probably the first time and i could see these people throwing like 25 and 29 and i think i was throwing 23 at the time or something so like i, I was a good distance off but mm. um I was just thinking, nah, that top spot up there is going to be mine someday. Right. And I just drove on. And yeah, uh, yeah so I found out I was selected for Worlds and I did a little, little photo shoot up in Dublin okay. and all this. And it was very, it was, that was great fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, I think we flew out kind of maybe a week or so before I was competing. I was the first up. So I really only had a week to kind of get used to the the climate and the temperature this in was Qatar. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was you know Pretty big, big shock. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I had never experienced anything like it. But um, it was a very kind of low stress in my head because I, you know, I wasn't trying to kind of keep any particular or get any result because I didn't have a result. It was my first major, so it was probably, there was no pressure expectation no, on exactly, you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was kind of very cocky, I'd say, about it to be honest, because <laughs> okay. I was like. No, like I was going into it ranked third and I right. was like okay this, you know maybe I could get a medal mm. I was like these girls are well ahead of me I was like there's no chance of me beating them but you know maybe I can kind of maintain what I've done so far and maybe get a medal but it was it was very kind of you know winging it attitude I suppose yeah. but yeah like on the day I mean I was getting a bit stressed out for sure because everybody around you is they're making such a big deal out of it because it is a big deal but I sure. still yeah, wasn't yeah. tapping into this but um yeah I, well that was my first my first international medal and it was a bronze Brilliant. and it, the way they kind of put it is my last throw I knew I was guaranteed a medal all right so, so you were like, pressure that, off completely yeah completely so, like that's probably one of the nicest throws I've ever done in my life because yeah, I was like I have this kind of threw out a couple of meters doesn't matter. <laughs> you were, did you go all out to try and go for I did yeah know? but uh the, the tricky thing with discus is you have to keep a level head if you get too excited 
Okay. You'll ruin it. Um, but right. no, I finished with the medal, and the big Brilliant. thing for me is that that meant that I finally qualified for funding because okay. up until that point it was all self-funded right. and yeah like it'd been hard like I'd worked a full-time job at various points and yeah. this kind of it was a lot of pressure off my mind because that meant I was finally going to get a bit of support because Brilliant. it costs a lot of money unfortunately all this training and competing so it was a great year for me and you know I, I kind of finally people understood why I'd been so cocky because I was like well I have a medal now so Brilliant you know <laughs> but that I suppose brings its own then pressures when you're yeah successful <laughs> and you know how how, how did <clears throat> I suppose then moving forward how did that impact your your next uh, so that was that was Qatar the next one was the next big one was, was Rio oh Rio okay yeah, so that was yeah now there was Europeans the, the same year as Rio mm. in uh, in the Italy I think it? It, yeah it was Italy it was June um, yeah. but you know Rio was the, the big one that year and mm. uh yeah, like it was, I kind of came into the season being very confident because I was like, I'm ranked third, I have a medal, of course they're going to bring me. Yeah. But there's always criteria that you have to kind of hit to be selected. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, you're competing against everybody else in Ireland who wants to go to those games. So I knew the kind of numbers that I had to hit and I was quietly confident. I was like, yeah, no, no, this, I'll be in the, I'll be in the top 10 for sure. Right. And then uh, how many was going to Rio in total? Ten. Ten. There okay. was ten spots, but those weren't all confirmed until kind of late enough in the year. But it was we kind of knew it'd be around the ten number, so okay. I'd already kind of tracked out everybody else, and I knew I was in the in the mix. Yeah. But then I think it was kind of mid-April. It was the Intervarsities in 2016. Uh, I just oh a shite competition, like it was woeful my, my first competition of the year always is and it's always into varsity so right. it never goes great but I was what do you put that down to is it just training you just have to get back into, back into get it. back used to it because you know training is a very different environment to competition so mm -hmm. it's it just it always takes me a few to warm up and that's just the right. way I work so you yeah. know I've accepted peak. it you don't want to peak too soon sort of thing, <laughs> like, yeah. no but um, I was driving back from the competition back from Dublin and uh I stopped over for a coffee somewhere and I was like I'll check the rankings there because basically the way the, the numbers are working is Whoever was third in the world at the end of March 2016, that's what they judged you off. Okay. And I was third in the world up until the 26th of March right. 2016. And I found out this day of the competition that this girl had bumped me. Four days before the window was closing, she topped me and I was now fourth. So all of a sudden now, to get 100% instead of just matching my own best, I had to beat this girl. Oh. And all of a sudden, I panicked I mm. absolutely bricked it I would just went into complete panic mode right. and I was just thinking oh my god she's ruined my life I'm never gonna make it mm. you know I was like what am I gonna do all of a sudden I, had to, I really had to work to kind of get what I wanted now yeah, yeah and not that I didn't work before but you know I really had to give it my absolute everything now to to make it to Rio because it was mm. like this is what I've been doing for years this is the goal I can't yeah, yeah. just yeah. let it go maybe it's a good thing Oh, best thing that could have happened. <laughs> yeah. so just uh, from your story so far, I haven't seen you panic. Yeah, or, no, or I'm not a panic. I'm a very yeah. level-headed person. I don't stress out about things. Okay. And, you know, it's not my style. But yeah. this absolutely threw me completely. Um, right. And like the first couple of days, you know, I was just, I was wrapped in a blanket at home, right. crying my eyes out, Jeez. stressing away. And I knew it was just going to take a couple of days to mm. kind of process this information. Like, you know, I, I knew what I had to do, but it still just took me a few yeah. days to accept that. But 
in the back of my head I'm like okay you know I need to do absolutely everything it takes to get to Rio yeah. so very quickly I made the decision to move to Dublin because oh. all of the kind of support services for Paralympic Sport are based in Dublin so like we train out of the Institute of Sport in mm. Blanchestown which is amazing facility and so like right. my physio is based there my S&C coach all of this and yeah within three weeks I had a house rented <laughs> and I moved up I think it was just start of May so literally maybe two and a half weeks after I had this competition and found out all this and yeah I mean it was very hard because all of a sudden I'm leaving my everything in, in Cork you know I had a little part-time job yeah. I mean I live with my mother and I don't mind leaving her but we have cats and <laughs> they are like my children so okay. the thought of leaving them was was hard for me but right. I just knew I had to do it so mm. it was yeah it was scary like it was a big thing to just it was the first time I ever moved out right but um I just you know got up to Dublin and I just started training and that's all I did I got up in the morning I had my breakfast I went training came home had my lunch had my dinner went to bed and repeat you know right. there was nothing else in my life for mm. those three and a half months it was just that but um I was automatically selected for the European Championships which was in the yeah in June okay. and that was the last competition to qualify for Rio right now I'd already I'm just trying to remember the numbers now I'd already caught your one a bit I was a bit closer to her so I was nearly at the 100% that I wanted to okay. to qualify but Europeans was my last last chance to do it and so everybody was you know bricking it because like, mm, mm, <laughs> sure. some people weren't still didn't know if they were going to go or not and uh, it's the first competition I actually brought my father to. Um, he'd never been to Italy, so I was like, right. I think I told him about two days before I was competing. Now, I was already in the country. I was like, yeah, go on. Come on, you can you can come see me. Cool. So he flew out and all that. But, um, were you, were you in, as you said, you can come see me. Was it, would it in the past, would you have seen it as putting extra pressure on you? or <laughs> One time I brought my mother to a competition and like she's trying to shout, you know, technique into me. Like, my mother right. has never seen me train at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of learned that day, like just keep so the away. Experts. Yeah, like yeah. you know, I, some people bought their parents to competitions because maybe they didn't drive or something like that. But I did, and I never invited them anywhere. So right, right. I I never relied on them for anything in my sure. training. So yeah, they there hadn't been allowed to competitions, but I allowed my dad to come to Europeans, okay. and I had a great time. Cool, cool. <laughs> but um, no, the competition itself was it was quiet enough. There's only five of us, but um, you know, in my head I'm like, okay, this is it's the last chance. Okay, I I need to show. Mm you know they, I need to prove why they need to bring me to Rio and uh, on my first throw like oh absolutely woeful like right. I mean I might as well sneeze the thing out like it was oh it was God. absolute pants and I'm like okay I have five throws left like come on Um, the second throw then I think I went in there with a personal best of around 24.05 I think it was yeah. so that was kind of where I was going from and uh the second throw I hit 25 something so Whoa. I'm like well, PB there Whoa, we go straight away yeah delighted okay and considering I had such a, a shy first throw it was, yeah, yeah. It was a good result and uh, I was like okay okay and this put me ahead of the girl so I was like okay I have my 100% I'm right. in I'm in pressure like, off a bit I was like they have to select me I was like I have 100% they, they'd have to select me and then my third throw all of a sudden 27.05 and I'm like whoa oh. Jesus yeah, <laughs> yeah like Basically, I went in there and I improved my personal best by over two, two meters. Two meters, Jesus! So yeah, it was an amazing competition. You know, it went so well, and you know. Do you think what what was it about that then? <laughs> was there anything specific you could pinpoint that you did to allow that to happen? I was ridiculously confident going into that competition, and the only reason was 
is the training the few days leading up to the, the competition in Italy mm. I was absolutely flying it okay. and I'm like I'm going to ace this I'm going to absolutely nail this and my coach and the sports psychologist sat me down and they were like you need to tone it down because you're overconfident and I was like no no that's trust me I've got this okay. and I proved you know I proved him wrong so mm. I showed that like I had a reason to be confident but I just there wasn't pressure on myself and I just had confidence in my skills and I was like no I can do this there's no reason why I can't did you do any visualisation of uh, seeing yourself doing that? You know, it's something that yeah. we talk a lot about. I do a lot of visualisation, okay. definitely. Yeah. And that's something you find works? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it probably works for different people in different ways. Mm. But in discus, it's it's such a technical sport. You have to be so in the moment. But at the same time, you can't focus on it too much because you just, you overthink it. So yeah. it's very hard to kind of tap into that that zone where you excel in the sport mm. but you have to I think feel that in the visualisation to know where you need to get to okay. it's kind of I'm still learning really you know yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. in major competition I think everything changes and is the visualisation just when you step inside the, the circle or is it do you visualise yourself walking to it do you visualise every little bit of it or what is the what part of it I just kind of... I just visualise the throw and I'm actually standing in the circle okay yeah and just because you know when a good throw happens you can feel it before you've even let go yeah. you're like this is the one mm. so it's it's trying to get into that space but it's okay. uh, it's it's hard to get in there without trying too much but you have yeah. to try it so it's yeah it's it's still something I'm learning and it, sure. you know this these it changes you know throughout a year if you're doing well if you're not doing so well it's it's kind of it's yeah it's been difficult because right. it's just such a mental sport as well like it's very technical horrendously technical yeah but if your head isn't screwed on you've absolutely no chance oh yeah no, very interesting um so you you got your pb there yeah 2705 2705 yeah okay. so um, like that was me I was like that I'm, I'm going to Rio I was like there's, there's no way they're not going to bring me and I asked my coach over there and he was like kind of giving me the side wink but he couldn't say anything you know yeah. but I knew I'd I'd done what I needed to do and yeah sure enough I, I got the call a few weeks later Brilliant. saying that I was on the team so I was like oh, thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was coming but, uh... <laughs> yeah yeah so it was great so you know all of a sudden it was like okay so in less than four years I've gone from knowing absolutely nothing about the sport not setting foot in a gym and I was like I'm going to go to the Paralympic Games now oh God. <laughs> making it sound too easy almost like, so. I was ridiculous yeah. like you know because everything had happened so quickly and all of a sudden there's my plane ticket ready to go um, and it was I knew it was going to be hard we were going to be we were going to be there for three and a half weeks total yeah, because a long time. we all kind of went out in waves some people had holding camps some didn't and I did Okay. and you know even though I'd had a great kind of run in I didn't I didn't feel ready for uh for Rio because after Europeans I was sick for a month. Oh. The stress of kinda of having to qualify and moving and all the training yeah. absolutely floored me. Like I could list off all the problems that were going on, but like Jeez. I didn't train for an entire month and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to Rio in a few few weeks and I'm still yeah, in bed. Yeah. So I didn't feel quite ready for Rio and there was there was a bit of pressure kinda of in the back of my head. Now I knew if I thought about it too much it would just overcome me and be the end of it all but yeah. um no I, I you know I, I just couldn't waste all of the, the time I'd put in so um I my training went very well in the holding camp and then in Rio itself I did a few sessions and it went very well and one of the best things I think for me before the competition itself was 
think it was my last training session, but all of the girls I was competing against happened to be there at the exact same time. Okay. And like, like a mini tournament was it yeah. a mock up or something? <laughs> and yeah. my, my coach, so this is the national coach now, Dave Sweeney, he um he's like, you know, don't go too far. Like right, don't right. don't push it. You're just training, you don't need to show off. <laughs> Sure, he didn't listen to it. Yeah. I was absolutely blasting the thing out into the field. Like, right. like it was, it was actually very good because I was competing against them, and I, I didn't care. If it was a training session. I was like, no, I'm going to prove to you now. Mm. This is why you need to be scared of me in competition. And did did you even like? So you probably had built up a camaraderie with these these like folks you were competing I against. I competed against them only in Qatar before, so okay. I knew who they were, and you know right. I was checking them on the rankings every single week. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I'd only competed against them once before. So everybody knew everybody and were kind of scoping each yeah, other. Yeah, I kind of get the eye, and you know, like, <laughs> like my coach was like, you know, when you leave the circle, you know, you know, look sad so that you really didn't enjoy your throw and all that. Yeah, so yeah. it was like you know, a lot cool. of psychological games. Going on <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, I was stupid, like, but um, like that last session, I hit. I think my coach was saying it's twenty seven point nine meters. Like it was the best I'd ever hit in a training okay. session. Like I absolutely blasted. Now he didn't measure it on the day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. what he did, but he didn't tell me. But right. I knew I was like, yeah, I have it in me. This is this is mine. Okay. You know, those girls are they're screwed. You know, <laughs> let me at him, like because right. uh, again, same as as Qatar, I was going in ranked third, so I was like, yeah, yeah. Now that was the thing. This was the the difference for me because I got the bronze in Qatar. But going into Rio, I was a hair behind the girl in second. Right. And I was like, no, I don't want bronze. I want yeah. silver this time. Yeah. And that was the goal I'd set myself. Okay. And anybody who kind of knew me knew that that was what I was planning. Because everybody was like, oh, you know, are you going to try getting a medal? And I was like, yeah, yeah, any medal. Any medal yeah. would be nice. And I, no, I wanted silver and there was, right. n- there was no ways about it. I was going to get it. And yeah, like the competition itself on the day, I was unusually calm. And I was kind of nearly panicking because I was like, Jesus, should I should I be more nervous? Yeah, yeah. And it was completely different to anything I'd ever experienced because there's, I mean, I don't know how many thousand people in the crowd, but mm. you know, it was a fair few. The Olympic and, Stadium uh, that, that yeah. was built for the, the main yeah. games, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, it was absolutely mental walking out there. It was, I've you know, it's not something a feeling I can describe to anybody because it's you just have to feel it to to yeah. understand what it's like. Amazing. And uh, I allowed my mother to this competition, so she was in a yeah. crowd with my my uncle and uh, shouting away, just like little Irish feather bow on and all <laughs> this. But uh, I completely ignored her. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was insane. And like the competition itself, you know, started, and I'm like, okay, you know, time to shine. And first throw was yeah, it was great. How many throws is there in the competition? You get six. Six. Okay. So like in Rio, there was I think it was fourteen or fifteen people. Mm. After the first three throws, they only kept the top eight. Okay, the eliminated. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to get six. There was no way I was going to get get bumped after yeah, yeah. Uh, after three throws. But uh, yeah, my first three throws, they went, they were okay. Like they mm. were, I wanted more. I was kind of thinking like, okay, you know, step it up now. You're, okay. you're, you're comfortable, but you're not there yet. And I was, I think I was ranked third at the time. Okay. And all of a sudden the fourth throw comes and it's, it's shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I dropped down to fourth right. and then, before my fifth row I'm bumped down to fifth position right. and I'm just thinking like oh my god mm. like I've spent nearly four years of my life with this and it's not happening I was like I, I never had ever doubted myself mm. that I would get that medal but but was it it was it, this was all going on in your head rapid fire you were yeah beginning I mean to... I, I started to fall apart and I was just okay. like oh my god and I was like 
you're, you're not going to get it. You're, you've, you've ruined it. You know, you've, you, that's it. God. And then I was, again, very quickly, I was like, well, actually, no. Right. I'm going to prove it. I was like, I've done it before. You know, I'll do it again. Mm. I was like, just just cop on and just get it done. Right. And I went in on my fifth throw and I threw 26, 67, I think. Okay. Second place. Right. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay. But there's still one throw to go. Right. And I know that there's one girl who's thrown better than me before. So, I mean, that last throw, I was just watching him and I'm like, you know, throwing it. You know, yeah, do yeah. shit, do shit, do shit. <laughs> you know, like praying that they would ruin it. But, uh, and to be fair, like they, they threw grand, but they didn't talk to me. And it, I, I finished in second. And, yeah. oh, the relief Olympic that day. medal, like amazing. <laughs> it was an amazing, say, like, still, amazing feeling. And like, I mean, geez, I fought for that medal. You know, it was yeah. that was the hardest competition I've ever had. You know, to to go from that fifth to second is just I don't know how I did it. But yeah. and how close were you to what? Like, what was the winning? Oh, throw? a mile away. A I was away, about okay. six meters away from her. She's okay. yeah, phenomenal thrower with you know sword. years and years more experience than me. So okay. like we're all chasing her, but okay. um, well at least you know it's your target anyway. Next, oh yeah, you know? no, like yeah. and that's why silver is going to be probably my cutter for a few so, years. Uh, you never know. You never <laughs> but know. um, no, like it, yeah, Rio was the the it was that was the turning point of it Amazing. all because yeah, all of a sudden it's like yeah, you're a Paralympic medalist now and you're a silver medalist. Yeah. You know, you, you're yeah. you've moved up from the rounds. So yeah, it was, so you felt that was even taking things to the next level in your own mind that there was no doubt now that this is what you wanted to do completely and dedicate yeah like a lot of people when I came back from Rio they're like oh so are you done training now and I'm like what yeah and they're like so you know are you just gonna stop and I'm like are you joking me it's a start I was like this is silver like you yeah. don't finish on silver like yeah, I, was, yeah. I couldn't believe people just thought I just like you know do it for a laugh for a few years and then just stop I was like mm. no I was like give me time now <laughs> give me time yeah. um, like I mean the reception I got when I got home was ridiculous like all of a sudden I was going to these awards and I was on RT I was on the Late Late yeah. Show God. and like it was for a few months my life was just <laughs> mental like, it was absolutely <laughs> mental brilliant it was yeah it was great like I, my one of the best things I met the, the O'Donovan brothers at one, oh, of, yeah. the, one of the awards sure. nights uh, good crack good <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get them on this as well actually uh, oh yeah in, I emailed their brother I think back in March and they said like don't come near us till October because yeah. of all the, the worlds and stuff yeah. going on in Australia oh uh, yeah on. No. but uh, oh no like that's such a great achievement um, yeah it was it was insane you yeah. know and that, it was your goal you you reached yeah. what you achieved uh, or what you set out which is which is great it sounds like that's constantly happening I suppose for <laughs> you um, and then it was again this year so there was the worlds again this year right yeah that was, that's, that's just July was it? Yeah, worlds were yeah July this year, and um, the really annoying thing is that I wasn't pre-selected for it. Okay, it's absolutely raging. And why? What happened there? <laughs> ah, it's was elite, it just because elite you were living, sport, living, just, living uh, the celebrity lifestyle for too long there? No, no, no. Like it was say for real silver medalists from the previous worlds were pre-selected. But okay, okay. Yeah, for this worlds, silver medalists from real weren't selected. So right. Yeah, I was raging. I'm not gonna lie. I was a bit bitter about that, but. At the same time, you know, I, I knew I could, could show them I was qualified, let's say, to, yeah. to go. So it was just kind of ticking the box, really doing the paperwork kind of thing. So okay. it was fine. And uh, after Rio, I tried to base myself up in Dublin again. I moved up in December right? and, you know, rented a house and all this. And I was like, you know, clearly this is the best kind of place for me. But yeah. 
the house just was an absolute disaster and it just it didn't work out basically okay. and I couldn't find anywhere else so I moved back home two days before Christmas okay. uh, so I was back in Cork and I didn't have a setup down here particularly so mm-hmm. I kind of had to get that moving pretty quick you know I'm, I'm throwing out in CIT now so right. they support me really well so because that's the only throwing cage okay. close so right, right. yeah so it's great to have their support and uh, I kind of I got new gym uh, membership sorted with Catalyst Gym in Cargilline who've been really good to me mm-hmm. and it was great setup. and then my coach John McCarthy who had been with me from the start mm. I was training with him again so yeah July was a, an early enough season for me because usually the majors would be a lot later than that but um, yeah no it was I thought it was going to be a very smooth easy going year but uh, in in early April I was diagnosed with this thing called vestibular migraine uh, okay. because basically I started not being able to throw at all and nearly passing out in training and basically I get these I get vertigo is what it is yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, just like my sense of balance and everything is, right. is just shot so I got diagnosed with that the day before I went on a warm weather training camp to Gran Canaria, Lovely. which uh, wasn't ideal. Like I was in, yeah, I was in a bad way, and it's it's something that hits me every so often. But okay. yeah, like that was the kind of first hurdle I was throwing this year that I wasn't expecting because I just I couldn't push myself at all in training after two three throws. I'd have to sit down for five minutes to yeah. get my head back together. So there, yeah, that was the first hurdle, and then at the camp itself, I ended up I ended up injuring my foot. Okay. No, look, I could barely put weight on my foot, so it was that was hurdle number two, yeah. <laughs> and that's something that's an injury I'm still kind of carrying to this day to some extent. Um, right. So that was tricky, and uh, the first couple of competitions didn't go particularly well because I wasn't well, I wasn't you yeah. know in in top form at all because like it's always going to be a quiet year at the end of a cycle so like right. after Rio it's going to be a bit of a lull yeah. but you know that doesn't mean you can take your foot off the pedal either so mm. you know I was there ready to drive on but my body wasn't really letting me yeah. and I was due to go to Paris at the end of May for competition and I think it was maybe the week before uh, I was in training and I had a tiny bit of a sore back but I was like that's grand you know you, you get these little niggles every so often yeah. but uh in training I had an absolute whopper session and I ended up throwing 30 metres oh. I only did it once 30 Jesus <laughs> 30 that's like I went over my training PV that I'd thrown in Rio the yeah. 27 inch went over that 8 times including okay. one throw of 30 so like the best session I had had mm. to date like it was unbelievable and I'm like chess I'm in Paris next week like I'm gonna mm. smash this yeah. and then the next day I woke up <laughs> and I was like oh that's a bit sore now so I went into the physio anyway because I was like I need to get this sorted quick right. and she basically released this little muscle that was just a bit tight okay. and that night shit just hit the fan and I was in horrific pain now oh. and now it turned out to be a muscle tear but I ended up being on codeine for nearly a week oh. I was couldn't it nerves and stuff like that or? I don't know quite what happened but it was just a bad tear but okay. it was referring into my ribs and everything like okay. I couldn't eat without like being in pain and yeah. I had to cancel my flights to, to France so right. I was missing this competition and it was just a disaster it yeah. was you know like it was just like oh for god's sake I just want one good run at it mm. and you know this hit me now I got over it quick enough but it was it was tough again like another injury to get over yeah. like oh Jesus and this is kind of less than a month and a half before you know world's supposed to go ahead so mm. it was yeah it was trying times anyway yeah. but is it, again is it because because of constantly going like do you not I suppose with the, the, the trainers and physios probably set out a right program of what sort of rest and recuperation you, you would need after like a four year hardcore yeah. build up 
the body needs some sort of rest you know? oh, it does and I mean I did take time off but like we still don't really kind of know what happened but okay. one of the big things is you know I went from not being a gym person at all yeah. to all of a sudden training for the Paralympic Games yeah. so my body didn't have as much time as maybe it would have liked to get used to the yeah, intensity yeah. of training so yeah. you know it's not surprising it kind of eventually broke down sure. so yeah like this is, this year has just been injury year yeah, um, yeah. it's been it's been tricky but um like I, I qualified for, for Worlds and everything so that was grand like I kind of knew that was coming yeah. and uh, I was I was throwing really well because like I'd, I'd had that that 30 metre throw you know with me mm. we, we saw her back and everything so I was really confident this year and I was like Jesus like I'm going to go into London and, and was you know it, step was it, it off Was there anything specific different that you were doing or tweaking your, your techniques and whatnot to that brought those kind of extra meters do you think I don't know what it was to be honest I mean I was training yeah with my coach Dan now this year as opposed to the national coach which I was before Rio okay. um, but I think it was just a really good setup and I kind of finally found the balance of everything yeah. that was good so like yeah I started working in in Dell back in, in April so like all of a sudden I, I had a part time job of 20 hours a week which nice. you know a lot of people were like oh god is that not taking on a bit much and I'm like no no like this is this will be fine Okay. and I think I need I had a problem with the work life balance so I think that right. side of my life is kind of sorted now so okay. my focus this year was just really good now the body didn't let me do as much as I'd like but yeah, yeah, yeah. I had very kind of clear goals in my head of kind of what I wanted and where I was going to go Okay. so yeah like I went into London and I was like I, went, I was ranked second now this year so like that right. was the uh, yeah I'd gone up the one so now right. I bronze was never an option this year I had to never I had to maintain the silver and um, Jesus like the competition itself I went in and uh, I just I was so stressed out mm. I was so because I went in there too confident it's it finally hit me I was too confident and I absolutely fluffed it like it mm. was the worst competition I've had this year now, I mean, I finished with my silver medal, but in yeah. terms of performance, okay. it wasn't even close to what I wanted. Right. Like that morning in, in my warm up, I'd been throwing three meters further. Like it was ridiculous. I mean, it was my head that let me down because yeah. I didn't lose my technique in, you know, an hour and a half, two yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just so disappointing because I, even though with all the hurdles I had this year, it just what I wanted just hadn't happened for me. Mm. And like I was going to stop competing after the Worlds because you know that's the peak you're you're kind of only going to go downhill from there because of the yeah. way you time things but like even walking out of the circle on my last throw I was just like nah like I can't I can't leave it on this like this yeah, is yeah. poor like is it not though a sign of how far you've come in a way as well though that you're now not happy with just picking up a gold or a silver medal at the world championships you yeah know? no because it's yeah the, the goal was to get the silver but the goal was to do it you know in style in, <laughs> exactly in yeah. style yeah. so um yeah like I, I hadn't even gone home yet and i'd already decided like no i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go back go back training because like this isn't good enough like okay. um and like my coach was actually over there john was in the crowds and you know he was saying like oh you know enjoy your time off and all that and i'm just thinking like he's gonna get a call next week <laughs> telling him to get back to oh, work <laughs> he's in for trouble like yeah. yeah and um i did i took i think maybe four days off when i came home and uh, then i was back at it again right. and now it was only an extra six weeks basically it was until the end of the season there was two competitions right. and i was like okay like six weeks is nothing okay. but it was so unusual for me to come home from major championships and be like yeah no i'm, I'm ready to go again yeah because yeah, yeah. usually you're just like oh the year's that's, done that's, the peak, that's me like, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. it but so it was a strange feeling but I enjoyed it because the drive was just mm. immense in me but um, the the first competition was 
two days after this week holiday I'd planned with one of the other athletes. Okay. Like I wasn't ready to cancel it, like, but uh, yeah, yeah, I was with Orla Barry. Uh, she's another medalist, silver mm-hmm. medalist as well. And uh, we're going to Spain for a week. Literally just sit down on a chair, drink as much as we could fit in us with the right. <laughs> happy hour and get a bit of a tan. Like that was Lovely. the plan. So I was kind of thinking like, you know, well, at least I'll be nice and uh, refreshed for for the competition. But yeah. I'm thinking like, geez, I'm trained in like a week or so. Like mm-hmm. this is, you need to train more than that yeah, like, yeah, before yeah. a competition. So I kind of went in there and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> it's like, it's grand, it's grand. One more competition, I'll just get this one out the way, get back into it and that'll be it. But um, that day I ended up getting a PB. Jeez. Uh, a 90 centimetre PB. So I hit 28, uh, 43 I think it Whoa. is. So again, like, and that's yeah. that had been my goal this year get over 28 okay. so I was delighted because it was like you know there we go that, yeah. that's what I wanted you know it's a good way to end the season I suppose on, yeah. a, on a high and you have that sense of progress exactly because right? so, yeah. it just this is that is that was my London throw in my head that's right. what I had planned so it was just great to actually see it finally happen after the year it had been you know it was, I was delighted and I knew I had one competition left and it was in Cork and Unfortunately, the weather wasn't really with me that day. But uh, I was well. I was in ten centimeters of that new PB, so okay. it was actually a really strong finish again, okay. uh, considering the weather. So, so that's consistency, I guess, coming yes. in. So it's probably that's what you're really looking to kind of keep yeah. chipping away at and not be doing those kind of random one meter extras yeah. consistently. Do it. That's a big thing with me. Like you see some competitions, say like the Olympic throwers, and like their best throw could be. I'll just throw out the number 65 mm. but they might have like a 59 meter throw in there and like I hate that I hate having throws that are just wildly different you know yeah. I like showing that like this is my level on say a bad day or whatever so okay. there was yeah in my head it was consistency and I was like you know I've proved now my new standard is kind of around the 28 mm. so it was yeah I was I'm really glad I pushed out I mean I proved why I did yeah, because yeah, I no, knew absolutely. there was something left in me like just yeah. because I had the medal did not mean that I was happy with the year at all. Yeah. So I finally am now. Good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm one session back into my, my new season now. So, right. so the season runs time. from, what? when does the season start? Like is there competitions during during the winter or no? No, there's, no. there's a few indoor competitions just for shot push in okay. kind of January, February, March. Now I don't do shot put, but I am going to this year okay. <laughs> because in the Paralympic Games it is actually another event for my class. It's the okay. only other event. There's only two to choose from, and I'm kind of stuck with the one. Yeah. But we've kind of decided I'm at a point now where I can split the attention a bit more because okay. all of the girls I'm throwing with in the discus are already doing shot oh, for many years. So like with Paralympic sport, the nature of it is that a class can be pulled or an event can be pulled right. you don't know what's going to happen it depends yeah. how many people are registered and things like this so you know discus might not be here for say the 2024 games okay. now, probably will be but right. you can't count on it so I was kind of thinking like I should probably start with the shot now and try to catch up with these girls and you said the girls that do the shot do the discus are are the same ones yeah. the same <laughs> so the, the lady yeah. that's winning the gir- yeah the girl who's ahead meters and meters ahead in discus is meter is two meters ahead in shot so okay. like percentage wise oh geez, she's a beast like she's okay. yeah <laughs> and is there much difference in the technique and like I, I obviously know what both of them look like I've yeah. never thrown either but um, there's, how, how there's similarities, similarities yeah like I do the full turn in discus so I do was report the maths but I think it's a 450 okay uh, so I start facing the back kind yeah, of thing yeah, yeah. and basically my the national coach Dave was saying like 
do the same for shot just go straight into the full term for shot don't do the the standing and the half and you know right. said just go straight in because the the movement is the exact same it's just okay. kind of the placement of the arm that is slightly different uh, now it's not the exact exact same say with the feet and everything but it's very similar so we're trying to integrate into the session um for discus because it's also going to help with my my strengths because it's a three kilo shot but is what i'd be throwing so that's going to be a kind of new challenge for this year because I've done shop a couple of times and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's a pity, but uh, it's another, it's something I'm just going to try think, this year. Learning from what you've said so far, <laughs> all you really need to do is just say, I want to do X and then yeah. it'll, you'll forget about how much you hate doing it yeah. maybe and you'll have a target. So. Yeah, no, like it's, I've kind of proved myself with discus now to, to some extent, so it's kind of maybe time to try give shop put it a go, so... Okay. that's kind of my my goal for for next year to to start doing shop push and then yeah european championships are in berlin um in august okay. so that's i'm looking forward to that but all of my competition are from tunisia and morocco so right. i know i know they're not going to be there and i've already planned to to chase them basically in tunisia and morocco which i'm going to go there in uh may and also potentially march to compete against them okay um so in is like that kind of like a you're a grand prix type thing grand prix exactly yeah so yeah country necessarily exactly the flag for the country you're doing it individually i guess like so yeah so i'm gonna go to to the tunisian grand prix which i don't know when it is yet it's either march or may and then there's one in morocco as well so that's gonna be the the big one for me this year because i've never you know gone to specifically just compete against these girls yeah. you know it's it's myself that's made this choice but i think it's just a great opportunity to, to just test myself because also like march is very early in the season for me the yeah. outdoor season doesn't start until till april really in ireland so it's it's changing my the way i'm setting my year up and i'm back training a lot earlier than i would be normally and i did not take as much time as i normally would either so yeah. i really have to kind of get good really quick now yeah yeah, yeah. no but it's i think what you're saying is so on point in that you're targeting those competitors because that's what will force you to yeah. become better I'd imagine you know because yeah. if you just do the Europeans and you don't have the competition it's not really going to drive you yeah on. no like the, you know the, the girl from Tunisia you know she's the one that I'm chasing because I'm two metres ahead now of the next girl so I've got a bit of a bit of a gap going <laughs> okay. but uh, she's still you know let me do a bit of quick math she's nearly five metres ahead of me Okay. at her best so right. there's still a lot of work she anywhere near do. retiring or anything <laughs> you want to get her before she retires just so you can take it about still like yeah that. no she um i think she's 27 odd but she's been competing at major championships since 2006 whereas my first was 2015 so she's got nine years on me okay um you know so she's it's it's fair enough that she's as good as she of course. is yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, and that's why it's going to take me you know a while to catch up to her now i think i can yeah you know it's I mean, in my kind of four or five years of competing now, you know, I've gone from a nobody to, to yeah. being second in the world. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's not out of my reach, but it's there's a lot of work to do. And I mean, if you do the math, I kind of have to be improving kind of two and a half, three meters a year still right. to kind of get up to where she's at. So, yeah. So would you be targeting the next Olympics is Russia, is it? No, it's Tokyo. Tokyo. Sorry. It's the one <laughs> after that is Russia. I'm thinking. No, the way. it's not. Is it not? <laughs> What after is in Paris? What am I thinking? Where, when is I know the World Cup is in in, in Russia. I thought the I thought there was an Olympics no. coming in Russia. Anyway, sorry, you you, know, you definitely know that better than I do. Sorry. Yeah. So Tokyo, that's a target. Yeah. Is that? Are you? It's a distant target. 
because like putting a different color on that target potentially <laughs> not to put yourself under too much pressure like so without you know naming names <laughs> yeah okay, well, no funny. I think like it, and it is going to take me that many years I think to yeah. go up to her but I, I don't know how long I'm going to do this sport for as long as I enjoy it I'll yeah. stick at it you know but I can't sure. be giving myself these big cushions to catch her up so yeah, no yeah. like my target is to to challenge her in Tokyo um, mm. I think she's slowly getting that now because so far in competition the girls who are very close around me we don't we don't talk we kind of in competition we're like no you know okay. I'm fighting you I'll take you on down. the day is it yeah, yeah, yeah now yeah. outside you're grand but like but me and a num- number one I call her because I can never pronounce her name because okay. <laughs> she's from Tunisia but um, we are, we are, we're grand chatting in competition because she knows I'm not a threat okay but I think she's kind of getting the feel now that like you know, I have my eyes set on her. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's it's been interesting with her, but like she knows I'm going to come to Tunisia, and she's she's happy for that. Cause, sure, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, though. no, it, it will be good. But yeah. um, you know, like I I don't want her to retire because like you know I want to I want to beat her. I don't want to get it by default. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of I, I hope she sticks around for a few more years because yeah, but it's probably even I would imagine if she's seeing you coming up closer to her that'll that'll motivate her more as well because yeah. it can't be that much fun winning no. by 10 metres or yeah. whatever you know, if you have nobody pushing you then you'd be yeah. more likely to retire I'd imagine so oh definitely like I mean it was like me in Rio last year like the, the girl who bumped me earlier in the season you know mm. I you know did I had a really good season last year because I was challenged and all of a sudden mm. you know my comfort blanket was gone so I mean, I don't want this girl to, to get too... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to challenge her too much, you know, because she's already so far ahead of me. But, um, yeah, like, it's 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 a big... I mean, it's years of work I'm yeah. potentially signing myself up for. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, I don't plan too far ahead. Too because far ahead, yeah. Say if I didn't, or say if I did plan too far ahead, like, this would have never happened because I just, you know, I let the opportunity happen. So, you know, I'm not signing myself up for Tokyo either it's I really have to just see how I get on but yeah. you know it, for now my goal is to to get to Tokyo and to dethrone her <laughs> <laughs> she has a throne that she's fair to play to her um, she does. Yeah. no that's that's cool look Neve it's a great story I just want to talk maybe just a couple of rapid fire questions before we wrap okay. up because we've been an hour and ten minutes oh, wow. through our <laughs> It's all good. It's it's been really cool I to hear. Quirky, you, you huh? know. <laughs> I am a talker. That's, a, that's why you're here. Um, I don't think I heard anything that suggests you're afraid of anything during the the journey so far. Is there anything that kind of fear fear? When I say fear, what what comes up? Is there anything that can't cope with spiders? <laughs> I don't like them either. That's kind of it. Okay. Like you know, but I'm kind of like you know, I jump out of planes like I'm allowed. Yeah, yeah, afraid yeah. of a tiny little insect fearless I would say yeah. oh yeah like I mean anything you throw at me you know I will show you how I can do it and how well I can do it but like yeah. geez, if you put a spider on my arm I'm gone like you know <laughs> yeah no but even we were talking beforehand um, and you were saying about the presentations you were doing yeah. over the last while and yeah it's, it's great to just get an, out there and do it and you gain confidence from each one I'd imagine you know? yeah like I mean I always say like everybody says you know life starts outside your comfort zone yeah. because you know if I didn't say give myself this challenge of this brand new sport you know I wouldn't have experienced half the things I have now and you know my life would be completely different to be a completely different person so you know any opportunity I get unless I really just can't be arsed you know I, I will go for it yeah, yeah so yeah. it's you know because I, I think it just 
you don't you never know what's going to happen like say like I've met some people in the Paralympics and you know say like a few years ago they were an able-bodied person and now they're in a wheelchair mm-hmm. you know like there's no saying that couldn't happen to me so yeah. you know I need to, to take these opportunities when they come to me now and you know live as much as I can like yeah. say when I left my college degree part of it was because I was thinking like you know say if I got knocked down by a bus tomorrow would I have been happy with how I spent my life the last few months and the answer was no so like that's why I kind of say I'm not signing myself up for Tokyo because if I stop enjoying something yeah, there's, yeah. there's no point in continuing because sure. you know you've got one chance like so you might as well just do what yeah. makes you happy but at the same time yeah you, you can't get too comfortable yeah, you know yeah, yeah. you have to experience these things and you know that's I'm happy with where I'm at now I think I've given everything a go absolutely do, do you overthink things at all oh I can do yeah it's usually relation to training like you know okay. I could have a really good throw and I'll have it videoed and I'll look in and I'll find the one thing wrong with it okay and I will just tear myself apart and there are sessions that I've had to just walk away I've had to just be like John I'm, d- I'm done for the day because this is mm. I'm not going anywhere here so. do you know though instinctively when to make that call or yeah. you keep flogging the dead horse sort of thing you keep doing stuff <laughs> no I yeah I, I know when I get in a certain mood like that's it because okay. I can I just you know everybody says they're perfectionist and you know I'd yeah. say the exact same but sometimes you're just wasting your time mm. good yeah no it's interesting <laughs> uh, like I think I've got as I got older I probably got better at knowing when that yeah you hit that point uh, probably only realise it the last few years <laughs> getting older um, advice is there any piece of advice that you've ever been given that sticks out or, or one that you even like to, 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 to give yourself I can't think of anything that I was given mm. but something because I was asked to do like this questionnaire thing for a newspaper one time and they asked me what advice would you give to somebody yeah and see yeah like these these type of written things that's when I overthink things because I want it to be perfect and the kind of thing I came up with is that the only limits that are on you are ones you put on yourself Mm. and you know if you can open your mind there is absolutely nothing that you can't do because if I had been uh, sensible and realised what I was getting myself into before I started the sport I would have never done it but you know, from day one, I was like, "Of course, I can do it. Why? Why wouldn't I?" Yeah. So I, yeah, that's what I would tell people. Nice one. Yeah, cool. Who do you admire? Is there anyone that stands out that uh, you have admiration for or you look up to? Hmm. Apart from the lady in Tunisia that you can't. <laughs> um. Yeah, one time I got the similar question before for another oh, newspaper thing. So, Sorry. No, but uh one person that I've kinda admired and it's not someone I follow, but it's just a story I heard and I was like, Jess. Uh his name's Lonnie Bizonet, I think his name is. He's Canadian and he basically used to be a skydiver right. and a bass jumper and he had an injury and he's now in a wheelchair. Right. And he's still a skydiver and cool. still a bass jumper. Wow. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, like yeah. he was thrown this absolutely life changing thing and he was just like, nah, I'm grand actually. And just kept just going. Just kept going. And yeah. it, you know, that's something I really admire. Brilliant. Yeah, and it kind of ties in almost to your, your advice piece as well. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> linked to that. Cool. Do you read? Do you have books or movies or documentaries that with you that you uh, 
have had an impact on you? Um, easy answer is no, I'd say. Okay. I do. I I've actually haven't been reading for for years. I used to read like ten books when I go away on these competitions, and then I just stopped. But I've gotten back into it again recently. But it's just you know chick flick type of thing. Mm. You know nothing too serious. But uh, like I'd love I love a good documentary. I love anything to do with like the human body, like say like with nutrition or performance or like like I'd love to be a doctor. Okay. Now it's never gonna happen, <laughs> but okay, uh, yeah. I love anything to do with like medicine. So like. It's nothing sticks with me, but I that that's the type of thing I would that's really enjoy because interest areas. just the way the body works, I think, is just mind blowing. Mm. Cool. I finish up on the one I normally finish up on, and you know, you've probably been asking this before <laughs> as well. Uh, success is a kind of a word you throw out there. What what is success for you, and how how do you define success? Mm. Have you been asking? <laughs> If I have, I don't remember the answer. Good, good. Um, I mean, success is obviously something you define for yourself. I don't think anybody can tell you if you're doing well or not. Now, for me in my sport, maybe they can, but yeah. <laughs> not that I listen. But um, I think success is just being happy in where you're at. Mm. I don't, because I don't like to think about these things too seriously because there's no point. You can't plan anything. So, yeah success for me is just knowing that what I'm doing I'm doing wholeheartedly and you know really trying and giving my all and just enjoying it because yeah I mean I could be an excellent discus thrower but if I hated it that's not success you know so by that definition I think it sounds like you're successful (laughs) because you seem to embody a lot of those things right now would that be fair to say I think I'm successful. Yeah, don't be wrong with saying that (laughs) from your definition because it seems like you're happy, you're in a good place, and you have ambition and you have goals that you still want to achieve and you're enjoying it, right? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah, I'm far from from finished yet, but um, you know, I'm I'm happy with where I've come and what I've done. And you have every right to be. Well done. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. Um, So how could people reach out, get in touch with you? You know, now that you have the celebrity status that people want to, you know, bring you, invite you to galas and banquets and stuff like that. Just how how people can reach out. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And my handle is Discus. All the same. All the same. You've yeah. got the consistent one across. The yeah. Sometimes hard before to before I got the pages, I, I I just booked the name kind of thing, and when I eventually got into social media, you know they're ready to go. So, yeah, knee of back discus. I try to do what I can. It's it's hard sometimes because I follow a lot of athletes, and sometimes they just every day it's the same thing, and I'm like, yeah. give me something new, like. I know. So it's I I try and make it a bit interesting. Like say yeah. for for Rio, I did this. I made up my own hashtag okay. <laughs> of a one month of Paralympics and basically for 30 or 31 days, I can't remember what it was, I did a post a day yeah, and it basically yeah. was the week before I left for Rio and then up until the day I came home. So like, oh, cool. that was yeah. a little thing I, I enjoyed doing and it was just one a day, that's all they were getting. But yeah. I, you know, I try to make it interesting. It's I, similar, like I'm, I find it hard to put one out unless there's something yeah. to put out uh, yeah I don't think there's any point in doing it unless you've something to say like so some it's... people don't <laughs> by that rules like and it, yeah, it no. almost feels like fuck I don't want to put something out here and look like it, it doesn't if it's not being true to yourself yeah you shouldn't be doing it probably in some ways yeah but uh, oh like I'd, yeah, I could go a week sometimes without putting something on because say like when I was off training there 
I didn't do I didn't I wasn't doing anything so I didn't know what to say yeah. actually I did get my one thing I I think it's going to be my new like third passion in life is a uh, paddle boarding oh yeah 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 I had a friend who he's moving off to New Zealand and before he went he's like oh do you want to like me up and I was like yeah go on and he's like do you want to go paddle boarding I'm like is that the stand up one yeah yeah SUP or something like that that's or, the one yeah, yeah. yeah and like I can't swim uh, so I was kind of yeah. like, like give me a life jacket and I will and uh, we went out to Sandy Cove just around this little island and it was just lovely is, mm. is what it was it was very relaxing and I was kind of like you know when you're training sometimes I just get home I'm wrecked and I sit down and watch TV and go to bed mm. but this was a relaxing in a different way because I wasn't really doing anything particularly you know stressing on the body because yeah. I was just going kind of at my own pace but it was just nice to just get out and like I mean I told my coach about it he's like oh it's great cross training and I'm like no 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 yeah I was like no like it was just but there's probably good balancing in it and stuff yeah like it's yeah. it's rotational course so like right. that's literally okay. everything I do okay. um, but I've yeah I've decided to to buy one because mm. well so why not treat myself so it's because it's just it's very accessible sport you know you could just yeah. it's a blow up board is what I what you'd use so like okay. I could just keep it in the car and just mm. you know whip it out Throw on some water and away I go. So oh, cool. that's my little thing I've discovered. It's a it's a let's say for a kind of quiet place for you. That was a question I didn't ask, and I just ask. But <laughs> we talked about being in a moment. Do you meditate or any of those kind of practices? I no. would bang on about that, but it's. I think it's important. Most people that I talk to have some form of it or that kind of constant focus point. Yeah. Like what you do in in competition is very much focusing in that little yeah. zone but you don't have any formal type uh, no I don't meditate but like I've always been good at kind of switching on and switching off like mm. say like in the discus competitions you can't be alert for the entire competition because you could be out there you know an hour or two hours yeah, so you know you yeah, have to kind of yeah. dip in dip out mm. and I did a sports psychology course with a oh. uh, Canis Kennedy it's just, it was just a little adult ed thing just for 10 weeks cool. but you know they, they talked about kind of concentration and the different levels of concentration and how it works so a kind of mm. any meditation type thing I do is kind of more related to sports psychology which is yeah. something I'd like to get into myself to be honest actually when I got, get out of sports yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, no I've, I've always had a very level head and I can I can turn off and walk away when needs be mm. so I don't I don't think I need to meditate at the moment yeah. <laughs> but but even when you're in competition and you're going between jumps and you're having those few like what's the standard time frame from jump or not jump sorry <laughs> I don't know think of jumps at <laughs> but from throw to throw what's the kind of gap normally from throw to throw minutes like Rio was more common because say in Worlds this year there was only seven of us so um it was maybe 10 minutes between throws which was quite short but um, right. it could be you know it could be up to kind of 15 minutes depending on how many is competing um, right. and then say like my home competitions in Ireland you know there could be only four of you on the day so it's right. it can vary greatly but usually if it's a long time I try and I actually lie down flat on the ground <laughs> I've, do, I've done it a couple of times uh, at like um, kind of some serious ones abroad and uh, I'd say they're thinking I'm an absolute idiot like I'm so cocky that I'm lying down but it's just kind of grounding myself yeah, and yeah. just kind of walking away from the competition because you you can't stay alert for the full yeah, time. Yeah, so yeah. like, yeah, I might yeah I might take things lie on the ground. Cool. That's good. Whatever yeah. works, it works. Um, brilliant, Neve. Look, thanks so much. I really enjoyed uh, your your journey. We had a, a good conversation, and uh, I'm looking forward to tracking your future uh, goals and ambitions over the next few years. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, just before you go, so number one, the newsletter. I'd love if you signed up. I have over a thousand sign-ups. You'll get a note 
just before an episode is released every week. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. It's on the site. Click on the homepage and you can sign up from there. Number two, the podcast is growing. Listeners are going up and up. And I'd like to continue to do so. So would you be interested in supporting what I do? No obligations, but I've set up a Patreon page, which uh, is something a lot of podcasters are doing and other artists, I say loosely, and you can support it by donating for per an episode or, or just in general. That would help me improve marketing, improve everything I guess I'm doing and try and maybe even get to the point where I can get a guest or two on and pay them for their time. So that would be great. If you think there's some value in listening to the show, maybe you'd like to, instead of buying that seventh cup of coffee during the week, you could donate the two or three euros to the show. Totally up to yourself. If you've got richer by the 1% better podcast, maybe you could donate and help it grow. And how do you do so? You just go to the support page on the website, click on support, you'll see the Patreon image, click there, and it's pretty straightforward after that. Okay, that's that. What is your story? What are you getting from the show, if anything? Send me a note, email me about that. I would love to read out your story, be it anonymous or whatever, if you want your name read out, and uh, that'll hopefully help others get something from it as well so that's really the the value the show is bringing you can get in touch through email it's at rob at rob of the green twitter facebook instagram at rob of the green i'm on linkedin under my own rob o'donoghue name persistence is key with this in the last few weeks i have increased numbers and that's just through marketing through pushing things a little bit more i'm going to keep doing that and get it out there more people are hearing it i'm gone over two minutes i know that if you have any ideas for guests that you'd like me to interview i'm all ears get in touch and finally thank you so much for listening and telling people about it and liking it and sharing it it's so nice to get a an email from somebody i don't know and they tell me that they've got something from the show makes it all worthwhile i'm going to keep doing it i'm enjoying it and i'm going to say good luck thank you bye